Hello and welcome back to Ryan's Takeaways, daily words for daily growth, providing biblical teachings for your spiritual growth and maturity, from the home to the marketplace, inviting Jesus to every table of society. I'm your host, Ryan Adams. Let's get started. Today, we are continuing on with our teaching about the marks that the Christian church should carry. And again, we're talking about the Christian church. So I love this because it always gives us uh, an understanding of our responsibility as Christians. It's not just the pastor's responsibility. It's not just, you know, the local church's responsibility. But it is our responsibility as well as individuals. And if we can get this at home, we will be able to walk it out in our churches. The church will become stronger than ever because the home is stronger than ever. We were talking about eight marks of the Christian church, eight characteristics. And we looked at the last four. We were looking at the four in our last uh, gathering that we had here. And today we're going to go onward into the fifth one. And then we will finish with the eighth. Number five, the Christian church should have a soldier's discipline and sacrifice. I love this part of scripture here because I am, I am, I am such a fan of the military. I, I love the structure of the military. I love its organization. I love its hierarchy. I love how, uh, how individuals um, are required to show honor and respect, whether they like it or not, whether they feel like it or not. And I think if we can adapt, or I would say adopt, <laughs> sometimes you have to adapt a few things as well, um, these types of military type of principles and posture, we will see ourselves in more of a disciplined way. We, we will, we, let's say it this way, we live out a more disciplined life, right? And I'm not talking about discipline in, re in regards to correction. I'm talking about discipline in regards to the way in which we speak, in the way that we, we live, in the way that we move throughout this earth. We see here that a soldier needs to have discipline and sacrifice in their lives. And we see that Paul was admonishing the church and saying, I'm so happy and so, so proud to see how you're standing. I'm so proud to see that you are standing strong, right? That, that you, you have a posture that looks like that of a soldier. And we see here that this, this stance or we see here that the order and the firmness that he was talking about is in, is in the faith, right? It was one of the marks of the, the church of Colossians. They were people who stood, right? They were people who, who loved truth, who, who received the truth and was walking out the hope and the grace that was shown to them, right? And we see here that he uses the word order, now, this word order comes from the Greek word, which is taxes. This means rank or, or arrangement, right? A man and a woman must know where he or she stands. 
And this is why I love the military so much is because it's, it's made very clear where you're at. There's no, there's no confusion, right? And I think if we could, if we could resolve this in the workplace more as, as businessmen and businesswomen, if we could resolve this more in the church, give clear expectations, clear guidelines, clear defined work, uh, you know, specifications, what is it you're doing, when you're going to do it, how long you're going to do it, what happens after you do like if you know if we did this more in the church and more in the marketplace man we would we would really advance um more and and we would conquer more things and again if we could also do the same thing in our homes if we knew where we stood as husbands if we knew where we stood as wives there would be less confrontation if men knew where they stood as priests in the home, right, as leaders in the home, they probably take things a little bit more seriously in their daily devotion. Um, And I really want to, I don't want to correct the men here. I just want to encourage you. Don't forget your responsibilities in regards to your spiritual growth and devotion. Because if you don't know where you stand at or if you're not in the right position in your life spiritually, I'm not talking about in the public. I'm talking about in the private. Uh, the public is so subjective in my personal opinion again, because things always are always changing. Environments are always changing. But in the home, it can be super objective. Waking up at a certain time, reading certain scriptures, praying certain ways. Like, you have to... To begin to become more disciplined in this area, men, and this is something that I have made a goal in my life. You see, I don't. It's interesting how, as you grow as an individual, my goals really. I don't really have any more like I would say like public goals or. I mean, I do have goals as a business and goals as, I guess, in those areas. But my main primary goal in life is to grow in my spirituality and grow in my posture as a man spiritually because I know that if I can reach this goal every other goal will be attainable and so I know where I stand I it's so clear to me what it is that I should be doing and where I stand what is my responsibility in my home I am responsible for the spiritual atmosphere of my home. I am responsible for the protection of my wife, for the protection of my child. I I have a responsibility to provide for them. That's my responsibility. It's not my wife's responsibility. It's not my child's responsibility. That is my responsibility. Now, my wife can participate in that, that but at the end of the day, who is... Who, who responds to God for those things is me. It's not my wife. And, we, and we've turned these roles around and we've changed this, the structure of family uh, more than ever. And that's why we, I believe we're seeing so many problems today. And so in the military, we see very clearly that men and women know where they stand. They know what their responsibilities are. They know what their objectives are. They know it's not a subjective thing. It is very objective. When women understand that they are uh, are 
are to have responsibilities in the home. I'm not just saying you got to make food and you got to wash the clothes. That's not what I'm saying. Because I love washing clothes and I love I love washing the dishes. And Jessica, she she cooks the food. So it's it's totally something we do together. So I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about my wife has a responsibility to hear from the Spirit, <laughs> to, to also hear from the Spirit, because I come to her for guidance as well. You know, I hear from the Spirit, and then I, a smart man, a smart husband, will go to his wife and ask her, what do you think about this? And if a woman doesn't know where she stands spiritually, she won't give wise counsel. Women need to be women that give wise counsel, right? And my wife knows it's her responsibility uh, for the caring of, of the children. I protect the children. She cares for the children. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we live in a society today where people get angry when, we, when men talk like that. Oh, that's, that is sexist. And well, trust me, women uh, hear me when I say that you don't want this responsibility fully on your shoulders. I mean, talk to any single woman. Uh, they, they'll tell you how heavy it is, and they'll tell you it's, it's very difficult to assume roles that are meant for men. And there are roles for men and roles for women. There's nothing wrong with that. And I don't want to get into that type of teaching, but it's just very, very important that we understand this in the home because what happens is, is when people don't know where they stand at, in the home, they don't know where they'll stand out in the church, and they start bringing all of these problems and these these issues into the churches because they're not getting it at home. So women are wanting to lead in areas where they're not supposed to lead, and men are wanting to lead in areas where they're not supposed to lead in. I'm not saying that women can't pastor. I'm not saying that women can't do certain things. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that women and men sometimes come into the church with wrong mentalities, and there's just problems. And the reason why is because it's happening at home. And again, I, I will go to my grave saying this, that if you don't get it at home, you won't operate it in the church. It just won't, it won't function. This is why I believe Paul was teaching uh, the church to have this type of posture, to stand, to, to understand where you stand, right? And the church, again, must have the same order and the same structure for it to advance. If a church does not have structure, if the church does not know where she stands, it will not be able to advance, just like in marriage, just like in family. It will not work. you got to know where you stand. The church needs to know where she stands. Okay? So this word firmness gives us the understanding of an unbreakable square. It's an unbreakable uh, position in which a soldier or soldiers take. It becomes impenetrable, right? Uh, you know, troops and the church and individuals who are trained and equipped not just to fight, but to stand those will be the ones who will advance. You cannot advance if you don't know how to stand. You cannot advance if you don't know how to fight. You, cannot, you can't go forward unless you get these things taken care of. 
So take care of them now. Take care of them inside of the home. And we will see it happen in the church. Amen? Number six. The Christian church should have their lives in Christ. The Christian church should have their lives founded, cemented, infused in Christ. Amen? We are called to walk and to live in Christ. In our families, in the marketplace, in our churches, everywhere. This posture of living in Christ is not an experience. Many people say, oh, I experienced such an amazing thing with this and this and this. And it's like, okay, experiences are wonderful, but a lifestyle is what will get you to the other side, right? Living a lifestyle in which your life is founded in Christ will keep you, will really keep you from falling away. You know, grace gets us there, right? But a life in Christ keeps us there. Good. I want you to understand that. God's grace, it gets us there. It gets us to the place in which he can use us and, and mold us and change us. But it is a life in Christ, in Christ, that will keep us there. Now, a life in Christ has so many meanings to it that I don't have time to get into it. But it's not a life in Christ is not just to receive, 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 receive. But it is also to contribute, to live out. And this is something that we continually need to remind ourselves that we have an obligation, that we have a responsibility. Amen? Always need to be conscious of His presence. Always walking as though the temple of God is going everywhere we go. The Greeks, they understood this, that to live a pure life, to be pure, means that wherever you go, that God, they, you know, they use this as gods, but Paul had to clarify it, but is that God is seen. He is, he is felt. He is, he is perceived. And, and, and Paul teaches us this, that we are to live our lives as a living sacrifice, that we are the temples of God, meaning everywhere we go, God goes with us. And so this is the posture that we must have. Amen? And so we have been called to be rooted, and he uses these words, founded and, and, and established, right? And, and this gives us the understanding of something that is rooted like a tree. And it is built up like a house. A house can only be built upon a solid foundation. With no roots, you cannot build. If you, if you don't have these roots flourishing and flowing in your home, it won't happen in the church. Many churches are wanting to build strong churches, but they don't have strong families. Oof, that's so good. Why don't we, as... Um, the church, why don't we focus on the family first? And then we start thinking about expansion. We, then we start thinking about building bigger buildings and having better programs and better outreaches. Let's, let's reach the families first, and then we can go from there. Oof, man, I could really preach on that one, right? 
So the source of the fruit and everything that comes from it is based on our ability to be rooted in Christ. Our foundation and stability comes from Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Number seven, the Christian church should hold fast to the faith received, to the faith that was given to them, deposited into their lives through the sacrifice of Christ. We should never forget the teachings of Christ. Although Paul, he studied different ways in which we could understand and the mysteries of God. He never got away from the fundamental truth that it is Christ and Christ alone that gave us our salvation. It is Christ and Christ alone that gives us access to the Father. Amen. So we should never forget the teachings of Christ. This is, doesn't mean a frozen orthodoxy. This doesn't mean that. It means being a, it means being a, a consistent Christian, right? Uh, it means living a solid, living foundation. Again, it's not dead orthodoxy. Oh, you're just being religious, right? No. Because it's interesting, yeah? Today, everybody's so, so focused on the next big teaching. Everyone's so focused on discovering something new. There's nothing new that Christ hasn't already taught. There's nothing new in which the apostles have already established. This is why I really want to be very sensitive when people, you know, I, 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 I pray that people are sensitive when it comes to the teaching of the apostle, of who, you know, I believe there's apostles for today. I, I believe that, okay? I'm, I'm not an extremist where I'm going all the way to the left and all the way to the right. I believe there's apostles for today, and I, I, I respect that. But one thing, I, and I think even apostles of today can agree with me on, is there is no new teaching in which Christ has not already taught. There is no new foundational truth in which the apostles have not already laid out in the Gospels. Amen? In, in the epistles. There's nothing new. And we have to come to that realization. Okay? There's nothing new. We are participa participators of something that already exists. We have a responsibility to just bring up what has already been laid out very clear for us. So stop and trying to reinvent the wheel. Stop trying to think that you are the next big thing and we have the next big, you know, leadership strategies and church, you know, philosophies and all these kinds of these things. Just stick to the word, stick to the Bible, stick to the teachings, and let's get back to the principles of the teachings of Christ. Amen. Legacies are built on godly, balanced doctrine, not religion, not the next big thing. The legacies are not built on those. God, I'll say it this way. Godly legacies, biblical legacies, are not built on those things. People that think that they can build a legacy based off of their name or based off of all the cool things that they've done or all the cool teachings that they've, they've established are sadly, sadly confused because it is only by Christ and Christ alone that can give us these, these, these pillars in which we can build upon 
to create legacy. And again, at the end of the day, it's not our legacy. When I hear people say like, oh, the legacy of this person and the legacy of this person, I'm like, mm, I don't know. I think it's the legacy of Christ. Everything belongs to him for the glory of his father. It wasn't the legacy of Paul. It wasn't the legacy of James. It wasn't the legacy of Peter. It was the legacy of Christ because at the end of the day, it was his words, not theirs. So really think about it. Whose legacy is really being built? Man, that's, that's deep. Not because I said it, but because that's the Holy Spirit wanting to teach somebody. And lastly, number eight, the Christian church should overflow. It should abound in gratitude. A grateful church will be a great church. A grateful marriage will be a great marriage. A grateful husband will be a great husband. A great mother, grateful mother will be a great mother. Gratitude births greatness. Write that down. Write that down. Mm. Gratitude reminds us of what life was like before we knew Christ, before Christ came in. I mean, uh, we should be grateful for what he has done. Mm. A Christian will always praise God from whom all blessings flow. All blessings flow from the source of Christ. comes from his mighty hand of grace, his mighty hand of faithfulness. And we should be grateful for that. You see, testimonies come from a posture of gratitude. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Once I was lame, but now I can walk. I was dead, but now I am alive. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, <laughs> Paul says, I've learned the secret of success, right? Always being grateful. Always being content and grateful. <laughs> that with or without, it's all going to be okay. We don't just become grateful when we've received. We also should be grateful when we don't receive. Mmm, that's good. This calls for the topic of the providence of God. The providence of God teaches us that it is God who does what he wants to do. He does it because he knows the best for us. Whether you like it or not, you're not God. You're not in control. He is in control. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Amen. And so maybe it doesn't happen the way you want it, but regardless, you should be grateful. With or without, Paul says, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be grateful. Unfortunately, in today's generation, especially in the church, people are not grateful. They only become grateful when they get, 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 get. I get this, so I'm grateful. Jump, 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 run, 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 dance, 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 because I got it, I got it, I got it. But what happens when you don't get it? What happens if you're not healed? What happens? Oh, Ryan, you're, you're speaking in doubt. That's not faith. No. My question is, is, do you have the faith to trust God even when it doesn't happen? Do you? Ha like, we talk about faith. Well, okay, let's talk about faith. Oh, I have faith to believe for this. Okay, what, what happens when you don't get it? Do you still have faith? that God is good when he says no to you? 
when he says, no, I will not give that to you, or when he doesn't respond, do you still have faith? Do you have a heart of gratitude? These are some really important things to think about. Because if we're not careful, we will allow false doctrine, seductive teaching, we will allow the suggestions of the enemy to try to really kick us off the course of projection. I love this type of teaching, and I pray you loved it too. It's not because I said it. It's because God said it. It's in his word. If you don't believe it, go read it. I rejoice. He says, I rejoice. I rejoice that you are living as you should. Can Paul, could Paul say the same thing about you? Can Christ say the same thing about you? Don't be like the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, please, where he says, you were doing a really good job, but this I have against you. You've lost your way. You've fallen back. And if you don't change, I'm going to come and I'm going to re remove the, the, the lamp from the lampstand. You will be removed. I don't want to be the church like that. I don't want to be a husband that gets removed. I don't want to be a church member that gets removed. I don't want to see churches die. I don't want to see marriages die. I don't want to see relationships die. And they won't if we take this seriously, if we remember these truths. Until the next time that we have together, go in strength, go in power, meditate on this word today. God bless.